The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Etchman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. We invest because we want to make money, but it is a long journey and sometimes we learn new things along the way. Sometimes those learnings come from mistakes we've made and unfortunately we have all made mistakes. So let's share some of the biggest mistakes that investors make. But first, as always, money wins and losses. Mine is a simple one and often it's just food, but my partner bought a pizza stone and he's been making pizza on our barbecue. It's a really cheap way to eat, like just pizza dough and just a bunch of little things on it. But he has perfected it that it literally tastes like it's come out of a pizza oven somewhere. So that's the big win in our house, uh, spending money on a pizza stone. But um, my partner is a wizard when it comes to making food. Amazing. And you can use your $30 worth of ham on your pizzas. Yeah. Yes, that's true. My one is November and December were actually my biggest income months so far for working for myself, which is very exciting. But also it was just because a lot of invoices from months ago were paid all at once. Um, some of the companies I work or do work for pay like three, four months later. Um, so sometimes I get a big influx of money. And uh, we also got a parts of our book advance as well. So that was exciting. That's a huge accomplishment, Tash. Like I know it's always hard going out on your own. Uh, this is the year that you had stable income and now you're working on your own. So, I mean, it's not as glamorous as people think, right? Like they think if you start a business or you're doing something on your own, like, yeah, you've made it. But it can be really choppy when it comes with income. So the fact that these were a good few last months. That's awesome. So massive kudos to you. Yeah. It's interesting getting paid differently now instead of getting like a regular paycheck. Like getting paid for one of the companies can be such a mission sometimes, especially with the Christmas break. I had some at the end of November be like, oh yeah, we'll pay you in January. So you've really got to have a bigger savings buffer when working for yourself in this way. Yeah. That can be very stressful. And a couple of my friends who have businesses, I just, I don't know. Like that's very, str- that's very that's stressful. That's very stressful. Admin. Yeah. 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 And so much time spent on admin that you don't get paid for, right? Like that's your time being spent chasing bills or. Yeah. A company underpaid me by like 40 cents and that messed up my zero, like accounting software. And it's like, is it worth chasing up the 40 cents because it's annoying or is it just worth leaving it and like balancing it out? Yeah. It's hard. Oh, a couple of cents, but still that, mm. that, that'll, that'll leave a, a sour taste in your mouth for sure. Yes. But onto investing mistakes that are common. Um, one that I see quite often is overlapping ETFs. So for example, VDHG, VAS and IOS are all good ETFs. So VDHG is Vanguard's diversified high growth. VAS is Vanguard Australian shares and IOS is Australian shares as well, I think from iShares. Um, but should you buy all of these together? To answer this, you need to actually look at what all of them invest in. So VAS and IOS are both Australian focused ETFs, whereas VDHG has Australian international bonds and fixed interest all in the one ETF. So VAS and IOS will have the biggest overlap. They're both Australia. VAS is ASX 300, whereas IOS is ASX 200. But VDHG has a 35.77% allocation to Australia at the time of recording this. So that would also have an overlap too with Australian ETFs. This is always really hard for people to kind of grasp around because 
you have these different ETFs. They all invest similarly. Which one do I pick? Like that's the the complicated thing around it. I remember when I first started investing here in Australia, I was looking at VAS versus A200. And at the time, A200 was a bit cheaper than VAS. And all over the internet, people were arguing about which one should you invest in as well. Yeah, definitely. And also, like it seems like there's a hundred companies difference, which there is, but with these ETFs, they're so heavily weighted towards the top 10 or the top few stocks in the ETF that that extra 100 between VAS and IOS, such a small percentage is actually allocated to those companies. And the other thing to consider is that if you are only investing in Australia, there is a whole economy in the rest of the world, right? Like the US being one of the biggest economies, it is the biggest economy. And if you are only investing in Australia, that's a tiny, tiny part. Um, I often think about this as, would you just invest in Canada? And for Australians, that sounds stupid. Why would you just invest in Canada? Well, our economies are quite similar. And if you're just investing in Australia, that is as though you are just investing in, in Canada. So just thinking about the diversification of that, it is really important to look at your ETFs, looking at if they are overlapping, because if you are buying a ETF that does include international funds and so forth, but you're also holding an ETF that is only Australia, that means you're getting that double exposure to Australia. You might be getting it in that well-rounded ETF that does include Australia, but then you're doing it again. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an analogy and I really can't it's think like, of one. <laughs> if you only want 30% to Australia, but you've doubled up and you think, okay, cool, I've got 30% in this one ETF, but actually hidden under the hood of the diversified ETF, you've got another 30%. You've overweighted yourself to Australia without realizing it potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And also with sectors as well, in terms of diversification, like Australia is heavily weighted towards mining and banks. Whereas some of the US stocks are heavily weighted towards the technology sector, for example. So looking at it that way as well. So that was number five. Now moving on to number four. And this one is a big one. It's not understanding the tax implications of selling. So a lot of times people say, hey, um, you know, buy low, sell high, but they don't really think about what that means when you're selling shares. And depending on what year you're, you bought them, when, what year you're selling them, that can have a massive tax implication. Yeah, definitely. In Australia, especially the government rewards you for holding investments for over 12 months. So if you've held it for over that time period, you only have to pay 50% of the capital gains tax. The other thing to keep in mind is that your shares or ETFs or crypto, whatever you're invested in might have gone up or down. So even when you're selling it, that might be a capital gain or it might be a capital loss. And so having the understanding of your overall taxes is really crucial when you are selling. And being mindful of your income as well for the year, because tax is based off your income. Um, so if you are a high income earner for that year, you might think about selling in a different year. Or if you're trying to buy a home, for example, and your income needs to be under a certain amount, maybe don't go selling all of your shares that year. Um, but this gets very complicated. So reach out to an accountant. This is what I did. Um, definitely sold some shares the year that we were buying the house because we wanted to put it in our house. And that um, affected the childcare subsidy and the paid parental leave that it was supposed to get that year. Again, like that's not specific tax planning when it comes to my income tax, but it is in terms of the government schemes that are there. So definitely talk to someone. It is really important to get your tax planning right. And number three, a mistake we see is setting unrealistic expectations. Um, so for example, wanting high returns in the short term, like when we use 7% on average for the stock market, that seems quite great. Um, but that's usually over the longer term, like seven to 10 plus years. Having high returns in the shorter term can be very risky. The other thing that we have talked about in previous podcasts is 
compound interest, right? There's this idea that money compounds regularly, and that is not the case when it comes to investments. So just thinking about the overall expectation about your returns, maybe the share price fluctuates, maybe it's going up and now it's down. The thing is, that's not your total return. You still need to take into account the dividends that are also being paid out and that whole return. And also if you're investing in international shares, there might be a currency exchange that is happening as well. We've often talked about tracking this in ShareSite that does include all those different scenarios so that you can see your total return. Now, it fluctuates from year to year. So if you've only been investing for less than three, five years, even 10 years, it might look wildly different than what will happen in the future as well. This goes into underestimating risks as well. There are risks that come with investing, especially when you're heavily overweighted to one country or one sector. For example, if you've bought all technology stocks or you've bought all in one country like Australia and something happens. So shares are risky and you need to know how to mitigate that risk using things like diversifying or having an emergency fund so you don't need to sell when the stock market crashes. There's also different assets and ensuring that you're well diversified in them. There's defensive assets such as cash and bonds that are going to reduce the volatility of your portfolio. Often what I like to do is track my whole portfolio, including the cash that is sitting in my offset account, the bonds that I hold and the shares that I have, because that gives me a holistic view as opposed to just looking at the few ETFs that I've invested in. Yes, they might go down and they might go up. And if you don't have the emotional wherewithal to to live through that, it might be quite stressful. But the reality is this is a very long and slow process. We're getting rich slow. So hang tight. And keeping your confidence in check as well. Like if you've bought one single stock and it's done really, really well, make sure you are considering the risks of future investments as well and not putting all of your money into one fun penny stock. Moving on to number two, and that's really about not talking about money. If we don't talk about money, it's kind of impossible to learn about money. Like if we don't talk about it at school, we don't talk about it with our parents, we don't talk about it at home. It's really hard to learn about these concepts and actually implement them and see what other people are doing as well. Like talking about money is very important. I think over the last few years, I've talked more about money than I have my whole life. And it's really opened so many doors in terms of my career, my development, um, connecting with people. And also I've realized that there's so many people that come out of the woodworks who are like, hey, I do want to talk about money. I just didn't know who to talk to. So if you can create a cohort of people around you, you can break down some of those taboos. You can increase everyone's financial literacy because it doesn't need to be a stressful topic. And money can be very stressful as well. Like share that with people around you. I'm sure we're all feeling it at the moment with the cost of living. Um, life's getting a bit expensive. And if you share that with people around you, it can help reduce that burden and people can be mindful of that as well. I think if we're not talking about it, it's easy for everyone to kind of be thinking the same thing, but no one to actually say it. Well, that's why I love all the money tips, right? Like there's so many things that I haven't even thought of, Tash, that I've learned from you, like using the the fuel apps and so forth, right? Like th- those things are really important that can reduce our costs because money can be stressful. But by having the support network around you, we can all learn and make better choices. Yeah. Or just hearing the decision process as well. Like you talking about selling your apartment and stuff like that and hearing the thought process with that and what you're doing with your money and pros and cons to things like that's really important as well. Because if you're not in that situation yet, you've probably never heard of the options out there. So it's cool to compare and see what's available. And personal finance is personal. Something I would do might not be something you do and vice versa, because we all have different risk tolerances. We all have different experiences. We all have different financial security. But hearing about how you would navigate something is very different to how I would. 
And that just gives the world a more holistic view of understanding what options are there for us. Mm -hmm. And finally, the one we say all the time, number one is just not starting. Make a start. That's the most important bit. I wish I invested earlier. I was, you know, had some money in a retirement account and so forth in my 20s, but I didn't really start investing until my 30s. And I can't go back. I can't go back in time. But all I can control is how often I invest and how much I invest at the moment. So I refuse to beat myself up about it. I'm moving forward. But for those of you who are listening and you haven't started, it might be a good time to ask yourself why you haven't. It's like that fun bike riding analogy as well. Like you can't learn to ride a bike by reading about it. You just have to get on the bike and do it at some point. So just start riding the bike now. Start with a small amount and don't be too afraid about making mistakes. You will probably make mistakes, but it's good to make them early on instead of later on. You might make some of the mistakes we just listed. <laughs> I know I have, yes. but um, that's okay. We're all learning. We're all in this together. We do also have some amazing responses from our community. So you're not in this alone. Um, we're going to share some of them right now. The first one, surprise, surprise, is not starting sooner. And not knowing where to start, not investing soon enough, and not having enough money to invest. Next one is selling when it goes down. Oh, how many times have we heard this one? <laughs> yes. Listening to people's tips from people that apparently know someone. I'm sure you've all heard this before. I have a friend at a bank or a dad knows this person. My favorite was a few years ago around crypto. Everyone knew everything about crypto. You know, I was in, in the Uber and someone was talking to me about crypto. I was waiting in line at the, at the coffee shop and someone was talking about crypto. Everyone knows someone. Um, just make sure that you're getting your information from a reliable source. Investing too much, too fast in the same stock. Not investing at all. Taking advice from friends. For my earlier stocks, not researching before buying. Of course, it's on the list. Crypto. <laughs> and this is a fun one. Investing into a brewery. Ooh, big investing mistake there. I'd love to hear that story. I'm sure there's a good one behind that one. Yes, that would be quite interesting. Um, actionable steps for today. Reflect on any money mistakes that you've made and remember to be kind to yourself as well. Mistakes are part of the journey and we can just learn from them. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review, or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Edgman, who is an authorized representative, 12-99881 of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420367 and Perla, who is an authorized representative, 1281540 of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info.